broadest understanding, the deepest understanding, probably the most universal understanding is there are laws of life that govern this experience called life. Whatever those are, we should understand and learn. And there is an experience that transcends all of it that's common to all human beings, potentially, mm. if we make the effort to reach it. So how to reach it is the yogas. And the yogas are there from the beginning. They are, they are, they are described uh, from the very early books. I don't want to say they're in all of the yogas are spelled out in the Upanishads fully because they may or may not be. It's a bigger discussion. But from the very, when you just look at the philosophy underlying that whole ocean of culture that we've been talking about, there are three classical efforts that you can make to reconnect yourself with divinity, to gain self-knowledge, capital S, to move towards that state of enlightenment. There are three because we have three equipments. You have a body, you have a mind, you have an intellect, which we've discussed. The body perceives and acts. It's the physical frame. The heart, the mind is your emotions, feelings, likes and dislikes, impulses, all the flowy stuff. The intellect is the ability to reason, to judge, to decide, to penetrate, to see what's not visible, to see through, to see depth, underlying surface uh, phenomena. That's intellect. So all human beings have all of these equipments. So when we make an effort to use ourselves to connect with the self, that's called yoga. Yoga is taken from the Sanskrit yuj, meaning to join, to yoke, to connect. So when we say yoga is necessary, or when the scriptures say do yoga, sort of, they don't necessarily say do yoga, but they say if you wish to connect, there are these yoga, these three yoga. The implication is there's been a separation. Understood. It's the same as religion, re-ligare, to bind again, to reconnect. There's a separation. So how do you reconnect? That effort, that practice is yoga in the truest sense. So as you're saying, yoga is not merely standing on your head or doing a breathing exercise or something. These are that, That's definitely there. Patanjali's yoga sutras are also very, very ancient in this tradition also, coming out of the Vedas, where he describes all the different asanas and poses that you'll learn in your yoga studio wherever a person lives. But yoga is not a physical exercise. Yoga is really talking about spiritually connecting with your true nature, with the self. And if you mention yoga to someone in uh, Mumbai and you think it's uh, from the Western perspective, it's like, I'd say 5% of what they would consider yoga um, directionally, right? Like it's that exercise is as much as as we would consider, yeah, um, I don't know, 15 minute. Nowadays, they'd, they'd understand it the same way, especially in Bombay. Okay. I can't call it Mumbai. I can't, that it bugs me. <laughs> but it's, uh, uh, it's always Bombay to me. But um, okay, so, and, but that's largely, from what I understand, a Western influence. It is, but I mean, that way India is massively influenced also now mm. by the West. And Vedanta's lost there just as much as it's lost here. It's, okay, well, I did interrupt you. And you were, no, no, just, just to say that it's not that 
people, I know a lot of people who've never read the Gita. Who was I talking to recently? An Indian person. Oh, yeah. Uh, one. I, I was talking to a founder named Arjuna. There you go. Had he read the Gita? And I said, ah, Prince Arjuna. And we started chatting, and I was, I, within, I don't know, a few seconds, I was like, are you named after Prince Arjuna? And he goes, I am. Oh, yeah. And I go, ah, dude, I read the Gita, you know, once or twice a year. Yeah. And he goes, it was really, I've never read it. See, exactly. Right. So just the, the Vedanta is lost everywhere, by and large. This is a big part of the mission is to bring the see, Hinduism, all of this cultural stuff that we've talked about is left over. It's all there. There's all the mechanical ritual. There's all the superstitious belief. There's all the blind faith. All the stuff of that any religion has, frankly, which are those. Mechanical ritual, superstitious belief, and blind faith. Take away those, there's no religion. That's it. Religion is an empty shell these days, mostly. You're doing things mechanically, believing things without much thinking. Yeah, and, if you asked, growing up Catholic, if you asked a Catholic, take these three things away, what's left? <laughs> uh, the average Catholic would say, What's left? There's nothing. Uh, nothing. Left. And it's the same with Hinduism. So, so. Your average uh, person on the street in India doesn't have, you'll have much more knowledge of Vedanta than they will because you're doing the e-learning, you're studying, you're thinking about it. So it's lost, universally lost, this knowledge, which is a big part of the mission that Swamiji is leading us to do, which is to get the wisdom back into the world that is at, that should be the essence of the religion. The religion is supposed to to take you to the wisdom, but now it's just we've gotten lost out on the edges of the branches of the tree and lost the trunk, as it were. So, um, anyway, three yogas. Karma yoga for the body, bhakti yoga for the mind, jnana yoga for the intellect. Yoga for your intellect is where this comes from. So yoga for your intellect is actually a good translation of jnana yoga. So... Uh, jnana yoga is for people that are naturally thinking types, naturally analytical, naturally philosophical, naturally discriminating in the good sense. People that want to live a examined life, as they say. Uh, it's taking knowledge, taking the wisdom of the Upanishads and using your intellect, working with that knowledge to be able to create a discrimination between what is real and what is unreal to understand life for what it is and live accordingly as opposed to living in some popcorn cotton candy version of life in your head and then being disappointed over and over and over again that like that's not what life actually is for example so when you take the knowledge of the higher and reflect upon it and chew on it and use it to discriminate between the real and the unreal, ultimately to being able to know the truth, to know the real using your intellect, you're doing jnana yoga. So literally, this is, this is the emphasis at Vedanta Academy. This is the emphasis in our approach to this. Um, that's why we thought why a yoga for your intellect is actually a good representation of, of what we do. It is that. It's jnana yoga. But you also have a mind and feelings and a heart and flowy stuff. Nobody's just intellect, right? So 
to the extent you have a heart, feelings, emotions, impulses, all that, which everyone has, those also need to be directed to the higher. Those also need yoga. So the yoga at that level is bhakti yoga, the path of devotion, the path of surrender, the path of certain things you do that are not based in reason, that are based in feeling, directing your feelings towards the higher. So traditionally, I mean, easily explained it, the ritual stuff, music, singing, uh, devotion to a guru, uh, devotion to a cause, or whatever it is. It's a, it's a, a discipline at the heart level. But you also have a body. You also have to act. You're also going to be doing actions. So it doesn't matter if you're reflecting on the higher and feeling for the higher, but all day you're torturing people with your body, you know, or you're just doing terrible actions externally. So your actions have to be also sacrificed and divinized, yogified, for lack of a better word. That's karma yoga. So karma yoga is living a life where your actions, whatever you do with your physical body, are also for the higher. No doubt it's all led by the, the bow of the ship cutting through the ignorance is an understanding, is a higher ideal, which is led by the intellect. So that way, uh, to not have jnana yoga, to not have knowledge at all to direct you is there won't be any yoga. So it's, it, it, it's the, the higher ideal is created, is understood, is discriminated by, penetrated by the intellect. The heart working towards that is bhakti yoga. Your actions following that is karma yoga. So then your entire personality of body, mind, intellect is aiming at, excuse me, the, the highest state, the truth, the reality, the self. That's karma yoga, bhakti yoga, jnana yoga. And nobody has exactly the same combination of let's say, thinking tendency, feeling tendency, and acting tendency. So many people are different in their different approaches, right? Uh, according, so according to your particular structure, your particular proportion, how physical are you, how emotional are you, how intellectual are you, you have got to customize your path. So for people that are largely discriminative, largely thinking, more introverted, less running around, active type of people. The Vedanta Academy is a, a wonderful... We were talking about this yesterday. It's a, You're saying, oh, it sounds like heaven to me to go spend a year there. For another person, it'll be a torture to spend a week there. It's oh, like, just these concepts, listening to them on YFY, it's totally. made for a one in a thousand people. Right, right. There, there, there are a lot of people that won't even want to listen to this. Absolutely. Um, would rather light some incense and like hear some music and maybe do a breathing exercise instead. Mm -hmm. Fine. Each one to their thing. But for the thinking introverted, um, and by introverted, again, we just mean not that distracted by the world, like capable of sitting and studying and reading a book and being, uh, and being um, with your thoughts. One of the most extrovertedly wired individuals out there, and yet there is... And all of us, that introverted nature to want to contemplate or reflect. And, and mine, over the years, has just grown larger and larger to yeah. where now there is, uh, 
I'll walk down the street and just say, I don't really want to make eye contact with people because I, I'm chewing on something right now. You've got your thoughts. Yeah. And I'm working or I'm contemplating on something from this morning or, yeah. or just honestly staying at home for working from home and then staying at home all day is an absolute um, blessing, a blast. Yeah. So if a person's that kind of more introverted in a good way, less drawn into the world, a thinking type of person, Vedanta Academy, our ashram, is a great option for them. Speaking of, we're going to be there in June. We're going to be there in June. June 10th or June 22nd, I'll be there if people want to join. Stay uh, tuned for the episodes. It's yes. Be awesome. Yeah, we're going to be filming some episodes and people can DM us on on Instagram if if you're one, if this content for the conversations is for one in a thousand, the people that might want to come uh, and join us in India might be one in 5,000, but, uh, but that would be a blast. So short little plug. But yeah, so that's keep going on that introverted. So yeah, the academy is a is a great example for a person that's built in that way, that wants to think, that wants to ask questions, that wants to look under the rocks of their own understanding as much as possible, who doesn't want to just surrender to a particular thing or to nothing, you know, that wants to philosophize. Not to become a scholar, not to become a professor, you know, but to become more penetrating into your own understanding of reality. That's the focus in that place, right? That So for that person, jnana yoga, a large dose of jnana yoga is good. But even at the academy, we understand, okay, you have feelings, you have emotions, you have that stuff, you need to do something. So there's evening singing, everybody gets together. And, uh, but it's, it's, it's singing uh, pure... Uh, inspiring, uh, truth-oriented, ancient songs, as it were. You know, it's not like, okay, I have feelings, so let's like listen to Justin Bieber, you know. Nothing wrong, but I'm just saying like as an institute, it, the whole thing is like, okay, we should provide some outlet for that type of emotional outlet and devotion to the guru and, and all that. There's a few idols around the place, not to, that we're like, doing anything with them but just to have it around and there's a lot of opportunity for action for service everyone has to work there to do something to contribute to the place just so it runs but you can't just sit and study all day long you know or most people there are extreme examples of people who are capable of that but they won't need vedanta academy hmm. if they're at that level they're beyond it so for the rest of us, there's service and sacrifice. And that's just at the ashram. Whereas other people, um, and I've seen this, I've seen people come there and be told uh, that, look, uh, it's probably not for you. And and being guided to another place down the road that does more of the singing and more of the idol worship and more of the whatever, right? Mm. Or being directed to a place that's all about service. You know, um, people that get into karma yoga are some of the most... <laughs> I, I've I've seen some really kind of emphatic people being like, it's all about service. Knowledge is great, but it's all about service. You've got to just serve. Forget knowledge. Just serve. Just do karma. For you. For them. You know? It's the same as if a, if a, if someone who's doing more jnana yoga like us, like yoga for your intellect, was telling everyone, stop doing karma. Stop doing a devotional practice. You all should study. No. For, for certain people, that's appropriate. That's one way. For other people, there's a different proportion they need. And yes, for some people, they 
their their spiritual life will be service and service and service, actual action and service in the world. So uh, karma yoga, bhakti yoga, jnana yoga. These are the three classical yogas that have been laid out since the Vedic times, which all of the Hindu culture will know and respect and um, not necessarily subscribe to, but uh, recognize as the authoritative yogas. Now, since then, there's become, there's James yoga, there's Joseph yoga, there's surfing yoga, there's painting yoga, there's dog walking yoga. I mean, mm. just because somebody copyrights a new yoga, and, and I mean in the last thousand years, that's all new. Mm -hmm. What about that yoga? Eh, it's not Vedic. It's not classical. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like somebody 500 years ago was like, ah, I'll come up with a new type of yoga. That's not just saying that there are, there is a there is a traditional, orthodox, uh, time-tested uh, set of values and and concepts that the whole culture came out of, and and that um, points to karma yoga, bhakti yoga, jnana yoga. I mean, the Bhagavad Gita um, goes into great detail on all three of these, for example, and none of, no others. You know, mm. uh, so it's these, these three yogas are are crucial, and um, no, it's not even the right word. They're just you have a body, you have a mind, you have an intellect. So you're going to be doing something with all of those equipments at all times. So better give them a higher focus. And when the moment you give them a higher focus, your actions, your emotions, your thinking becomes yoga. Mm. Yeah, it's it is it, it it's both uh, clarifying and convergent on these three things, especially in a Western mind that craves to know what are the right answers. Uh, just tell me what are okay. There's three, and which one's the best? Yeah. And yet, it's also divergent enough to say it's it is an internal introspection of what are you wired for. Yeah, and and there is no ranking. The goal is the same. Why yeah. try to take your bike into the ocean if you? If you have a certain, if you have a certain predicament, follow the path that is made for that predicament. Um, if you are an active person, if you are contem a contemplative person, there is that that space created, which is just so again, so contrary to uh, a Western uh, approach. And it, mm. it you could be third generation atheist mm. and living in Chicago, but still have the Western mentality that is no there is a right way there is one top spot at the you know at the head of the company work towards that by saying the right things doing the right things versus this um this interesting dynamic where there are these methods and yet it is a very personal introspection of what you're wired for mother Teresa, very karmic christianity and and it's in totality is very <clears throat> devotional yeah um Obviously, Upanishads very Vedantic, very Nyanic, and each one might speak to you at different times in your life. Um, mm -hmm. And it's a uh, it's a as as Ram Das uh, said. Sometimes you need to start with duality to get to non-duality, and he was a very famous Bhakti, mm -hmm. but even said at, at various points that uh, he wishes he was a, a Nyani, but he just knew he was a devotion as he would describe it, a sloppy devotional Bhakti. Mm -hmm. 
and that's there's a beautiful wisdom in recognizing totally. this is where yeah. this is where my work lies. In yeah. fact, he also had a great a great um, metaphor that we uh, chatted about the other day of just saying if the top of the mountain, imagine the top of the mountain is is union with God, uh, with the divine, with Brahman, and that realization. The mountain has 360 degrees of paths up there. And finding which path is yours is, is integral, it's crucial. And yet at the same time, without guidance and structure, you might go up one path that is just an absolute 90 degree face of a wall, not knowing, oh shit, there were stairs right over, mm-hmm. just like 300 yards over, mm-hmm. there were stairs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and there's, there is this quality to, to it that maybe this will be for another conversation of just the distillation between the three and, and why, uh, Swami likes to say, Jnana yoga is, it's a Learjet. Yeah. Um, and, and each will take you there, mm-hmm. but still has a qualification of it being a Learjet. Maybe you could spend maybe 90 seconds to not give people too much of a cliffhanger, mm-hmm. um, on why that would come out of swami's mouth where maybe it even ties to that metaphor of there are stairs um and and it actually as i verbalized i'm thinking through people that say i never open up the scripture Sadhguru, he's like i've never read the scriptures ever mm. and uh, that could be that could be a path but that could be climbing the 90 degree face of the could be. of the mountain versus yeah i mean the stairs. it's uh Alex Honnold would be like, why do you need ropes? You know, slow you down, dude. Mm. The first guy that climbed that half dome or whatever it was, El Capitan, I think it was. El Cap yeah. was in the movie. Yeah, so. So. The first time they did it, it took them like days. Like the first people that that we know that climbed El Cap took days. If not, I don't even remember, weeks or some crazy number. <laughs> ropes and tents on the wall. And he did it in like, two hours yeah he's like why don't you just do it like (laughs) which is insane the question is for who for yes alex for you that's a rational question why would you carry all those ropes it's it's ridiculous why would it's half a mile of rock it's Mm. whatever it is i don't know what it is so the learjet in the sense that what separates you from god from truth from reality from self-realization for enlightenment is thoughts So, desires, thoughts and desires, as it were. So, the intellect, the work of contemplating, uh, using your intellect to direct your attention towards the reality, directly hits those thoughts, puts them on the reality, and snuffs them out. It's directly dealing with that. Whereas if you're just like, if you're building houses for people, which is a great thing to do and i'm not and i'm gonna i have a point that i want to make about it so i don't want anybody to think that we are in any way belittling any yoga they're not there there's it's not a competition it's there are three different paths that are required for everyone and that that's the point i'm going to illustrate in a second those three paths depend on a person's proportion but the fact is, the more directly you can deal with your thoughts and remove the worldliness from them and inject the thought of reality, the closer you'll, quicker, faster you'll get to reality. Thus, the Learjet. 
uh, and it's extremely stable. It's extre- once you have an understanding at your own intellect, it's faster, it's more secure, it's less susceptible to outside influence. Whereas the devotional path is definitely more mental than action, but it's uh, by definition more at the feeling level, emotional level, what have you. So your understanding, your discrimination may not be that sharp and you can be easily uh, distracted, influenced by somebody that's got a more powerful intellect. So it's not the Learjet, but it's quicker. And karma yoga is just action. You can do anything with your mind while you're acting. You can be serving everybody and hating them in your mind. Right? The intellectual path doesn't let you do that. Your thoughts are either on the reality, they're either penetrating to the reality, or they're not. So, um, but, I want to say, one of the great fathers of Vedanta, Adi Shankaracharya, 8th century saint, but in terms of Vedanta as we understand it now. He wrote Atma Bodha. He wrote Bhajagovindam. He wrote uh, Viveka Chudamani. I mean, this guy is one of the lions of, if not the lion of of sort of modern Vedanta. And by modern, I mean the last thousand years. And he also helped bring that word back of, of Vedanta. Sure. Right? Yeah, I mean, more, uh, sort of. I mean, he, he yes. But it was it wasn't so lost yet then. Um, but this is you know more than a thousand years ago. But he's also known for composing most of the beautiful devotional hymns and songs that everybody sings. Mm. Highly devotional person. Not just the, it, it's it's ridiculous for one life what he achieved, and he died at like thirty three which is absurd, the, uh, what he achieved. So uh, all of these com- uh, devotional hymns and songs and prayers and, and rituals and stuff, lot, so much of it was created, designed by Adi Shankaracharya. Plus, he himself went around and built basically the modern temple system in, of, of India, establishing these mats, which are like these... Uh, spiritual centers of india with these particular temples (laughs) i mean he did all of them this is the point so but you've got to understand he is regarded as the most gnani of the gnanis in recent memory and yet was completely also a bhakta and completely also a karma yogi you understand Mm. so well i've seen in my own life even words like introverted it really um, can throw people for a misinterpretation or contemplative or yeah. uh, going to an ashram. Yeah. It looks like uh, as I study with the ashram each morning online and it comes on, it, which by the way, it's a freaking miracle. I cannot, if you go to yfy.co, you can you can click on the links and see it's just in your pocket on your phone. You can mm. study with an ashram that is preaching what I think is uh, teaching one of the best modes of living it's nothing to do with uh, mm-hmm. if you if you don't care about self-realization you can mm-hmm. just just digest it for what you're saying that devotional side devotion to the cause you have mm-hmm. this helps you navigate that mm-hmm. the action i it's it is it's it, it's almost like going the dealing with the intellect helps as we 
so many metaphors apply. It's, it's like the banks of the river. Strong banks of the river can support dozens of massive civilizations. And the river just looks stable mm, mm. Um, because it is stable. Mm. And that's where that support comes from. Similarly, the strong banks of the river, it is, uh, I can't stop starting companies, mm-hmm. uh, investing in, and advising 150 companies. And yet it's almost like the, the investment in the intellect every morning, every day, just halves the gravity mm. for the rest of the day. So everything is just, and, and these things that would have wrecked me don't have the gravity that they do mm-hmm. to where I'm able to bounce from one to the other effortless, mm-hmm. damn near effortlessly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I, I can't imagine, I, I can't remember the last thing in the last year or two mm-hmm. that was effortful. Mm-hmm. And yet, you know, many of the things that are, that, uh, that we've chatted about that I worked on and the 25 year old me would have been like, Oh dude, that exhausts me just thinking about that. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, to your point, it's it's not this. Um, mm. And and God bless you if you feel that you are this this type that needs to go sit in a cave mm. uh, and contemplate all day long. It's phenomenal. Mm. But for people listening to to these three yogas, they might think of these words and say, "Oh, well, I love action. I love being in the world." And and it almost made me want to just. It did make me want to ma- make that call out of. Well, then you'll do it twice as well. Oh yeah. Whatever you do, this it'll only enhance it. For sure. Uh, we've even a devotional practice uh, is greatly enhanced um, by deeper understanding of what you're doing. No one's saying uh, you, you, that's the other thing about Vedanta. It's not like the, it's not like you have to necessarily partake in all of it, or or even. One one person I was huge contrast from huge, what yeah. we're wired to think. Yeah, one one guy in particular I'm thinking of, really successful guy in Texas actually, um, who was we were working with him, and uh, after like six months or so, he was like, "Hey, you know, I um, I just want to tell you, I I don't know if this is okay," and I was like, "What? <laughs> it's and I'm sure it's fine, man. What what's up? You know and he said, uh, I mean, I, up to this point, Vedanta works for me, but after that, I, I don't know. And I was like, like up to what point? Like, ab- give me like a, you know, just to see what he's saying. And just to, he said, no, I don't know. Like maybe up to like, like seven, 80%, but this other stuff we've been talking about, like, I, I can't, I was like, then don't. Does this at 80% help you? He said, oh yes, so much. Oh my God. Helps me so much. I, my relationship's better. My work is better. My but I don't know about all that, you know, what other, whatever, whatever it was, the parts of it that just weren't resonating with him. I said, great. He was like really concerned that it would be like, he's out of the club or something, you know, or, all like, or nothing type of thing. There's no such thing as like, take exactly what makes sense to you and use it. And it will only, you'll only be able to use it if it makes sense to you anyway. You may, you may pretend you understand everything, but you won't live by something you don't understand. So when you really understand it, you will automatically live it. And he, all he was saying is, I don't really understand that. I can't relate to those ideas. But can I still study Vedanta? Of course you can still study Vedanta. What are you talking about? And he was so relieved. 
And the only thing I told him is don't permanently write it off in your mind. That's all I said. Swami says, it's not that I've thought of that brilliant answer to him. This just being the student of Swamiji, you know, he said, he always says, just shelve it. Mm-hmm. If you don't understand it, just shelve it. Just put it on the shelf. And someday come back to it, maybe. So I just borrowed Swami's line and told the guy, and he's so relieved. He's like, oh, thank God. Because he was like really kind of tormented about this thing. Um, took him like weeks to like, take an appointment and ask. You know? If anything, just reflecting on my own experience, it actually makes karma and bhakti yoga make so much more sense because it is rooted in, as Swami always says, uh, question everything. And if it does not pass through your own reason and rationale, drop it. Yeah. And it and it, the three things that, you know, uh, he says each person should do for intellectual development is question, don't take, question everything until it passes through your own reason and rationale. So that's what you're touching on in blind faith. This is, it is not a, it's the opposite of blind faith. If it doesn't, if only 8% makes sense of, you know, something like intellect is the capacity to see the end in the beginning. Wow. Okay, cool. That makes sense. That has its own profound unfolding within yeah. your life. Leave the other 92% that you might hear in an episode of this. Yeah. But then uh, I've found it to where it makes the the devotional practice something like wake, consistency of waking up every morning and studying every morning. It's very um, devotional. Not only reinforces the intellect uh, development in the, uh, the neonic side, but it also is makes more sense than if you were to tell me, James, just shelve those ideas, just do it every morning. Instead, there is a real understanding, a rationale, or take it to a, an extreme, a karmic path where you're just like, just serve everyone, mm-hmm. feed everyone in LA, James. Mm-mm. It is inevitable. I will run into these questions that yeah. won't make sense, and yeah. I probably won't find answers just in, well, maybe, but knowing myself, you, I probably right. won't wouldn't find answers in more service right or you won't or a a, a person who won't ask the question is exactly where they need to be Mm. and that's great but if anyone's questioning if anyone's asking if anyone's wanting to know the answers you and and you are not allowed to by whatever tradition you're in you'll rebel you'll declare yourself an atheist or whatever and Nothing wrong also. I mean, like I said, within Vedanta, there's atheistic schools. I mean, it's, a, it's all encompassing. It's mm. like the biggest tent you can possibly imagine. So you will... Um, it's, it is, it strikes me as, it might be atheistic, but I imagine there's still this, but keep going, keep going yeah. aspect to it versus the... They're still I, in the discussion, but there are, there are schools with established masters that have concluded that there is no reality. Etc. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. materialism is it. I forget the names. I used to know back in the degree days in university, we used to have to know these names. The guy who said every, who concluded that everything is only matter and matter alone. But he's also considered like within the umbrella of of Vedanta in the sense that, and he'll have some references to some scriptures and yeah. But yeah, it if if a person's truly not thinking or not interested in thinking, then great. They don't need to think. But for most people, 99.9, a little bit of understanding really deepens 
their own path. It doesn't mean they become like a a daily philosopher or something, but it gives a lot more understanding. Mm. Like any, I mean, uh, so many Christians I know um, have a really profound uh, knowledge practice where they do really intensive study and reflection and actually um, very similar to our morning study where they have their daily readers and their their group discussions and their things. It's not just Sunday school cupcakes and coffee, you know. There's mm-hmm. a lot of rigor to it. It it's the same it's the same thing. It's the same principle as as what we're doing. But blind faith is is not actually faith. It's a misnomer. Mm. True faith is informed. Blind faith is it's not faith. It's just I don't know what it is. Some kind of stupidity. Some kind of Ignorance. And I think it's a, uh, it's worth also a difference. Another contrast is uh, that you get used to as you study more and more, but there's so many different words for the same thing. And I feel like there's probably a listener thinking, okay, where does Vedanta sit? And uh, we mentioned the Upanishads. We mentioned the Bhagavad Gita, the Vedanta meaning end of the Vedas. So mm-hmm. the Upanishads synonym, synonymous with Vedanta, but also it meaning the end of knowledge. So a culmination of knowledge, which includes the Gita, which we mentioned. We mentioned Sanatana Dharma, another uh, useful mm. synonym for Vedanta, meaning what is, tell listeners what Sanatana Dharma means. Eternal principles. There, it's uh, the, the, the total collection of laws that govern the world. Sanatana Dharma. They govern life, not the world. And and the three yogas are very much a part of Vedanta with right. an emphasis on yeah. the jnanic right. yogic path. Well, Joseph, that was uh, a great two-parter and and covers one of the most critical things that uh, that we could cover in these conversations. So, thank you, my man. Thanks, man. Woo! That episode was fantastic, and if you are digging yoga for your intellect and want to introduce this philosophy to your coworkers and your team, well, Joseph and I are down to come visit basically an in-person YFYI. Come visit with you and your team. In the same way that you might invite a yoga instructor for a team building event, we're willing to come to your office and talk to your team as well. We can do it over Zoom as well. It is, uh, it's whatever makes sense, but uh, we're even down to do it in person and that is just in line with the mission of making this philosophy available and accessible to all those that seek it. Joseph and I would love to come talk with you and your team about yoga for your intellect. And that really comes from my perspective of running businesses for the last 15 years and just knowing, man, it was about 10 years ago, I was running a 50 person company led to a trip to the ER, is drinking seven cups of coffee a day to try to stay on top of everything. Um, trip to the ER with a heart condition. Needless to say, it was a very, very stressful, extremely stressful time in life. And that business ultimately failed. And 10 years later, I sit here and, and get to have these conversations with with Joseph while running two companies and and a venture fund, each day just feels like it's a hot knife through butter. 
I have not had a single day of stress in the last six, seven years of building multiple companies and, and multiple venture funds. It's truly remarkable, and I know that it's not me or the businesses that are different than 10 years ago, but it's my approach to each day and quite literally to the start to the day because every day starts with this philosophy for me. And we want to share it with your team. For me, it feels like an obligation of sorts and a loud siren saying that teams and companies around the globe need to hear this. So if you're interested, email us at, this is the key thing, email us at yoga for your intellect at gmail.com. That's yoga for your intellect at gmail.com. Use the email address in the show notes and we would love to come chat with you and your team.